welcome to episode 20 of Bethesda Broadcast. Bethesda Broadcast is a podcast ministry of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Over the next couple weeks, Pastor Roy will be looking at four major concerns of Jesus from John chapter 8. In today's message, Pastor Roy will look at the first of those four major concerns. Here's Pastor Roy speaking from Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Uh, Today we're looking at John chapter 8. I've titled the message today, What Jesus Said About. As we work our series through, we've got four words. We're only going to make it through the first two words is my intention this morning uh, because I want to take time to work through these and help us think through them. Uh, The difficulty is, you know, there's a lot of information and then sometimes we get lost in the application and I don't want to get lost in the application. I want us to hear the information, but I want us to apply it uh, to our lives, particularly as I think about the Super Summer Jam and how this will apply really to where we are as a, as a church. Let's just read down through the account, uh, the first 11 verses. Um, it is about the story of the woman caught in adultery, and, um, and then we'll make some comments about it. But Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin... Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Many of you may have a footnote in your Bible that the earliest manuscripts did not contain this story. So various commentators hold various opinions as to whether or not this is actually a part of Scripture. Um, It's in here, and so we are going to address it as Scripture. And the reason that is is because in the very early manuscripts prior to the 5th century, this document uh, could not be found. But it was found in later writings. And one thing we know for sure is that this seems to be definitely an historical reality that it happened. The other thing is it does fit with the character of Jesus. It fits with the theology, the character of Jesus, and so we will treat it uh, as such. But I wanted you to be aware of that. You may even have a footnote in your Bible uh, suggesting Uh, that. I was trying to think of uh, an embarrassing moment in my life, um, and I've had a few of them, um, even in the pulpit. Um, I remember one occasion when I was preaching in Virginia, and I got off to the side of the pulpit like this, and I made a, a point, and I was talking and sharing something, and then I walked back over to the pulpit only to find my next page of notes missing. You talk about throwing you off. 
man, I was really off. I couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, we had three services, so you preached three times, and this was the second service. And so I gathered up my notes at the end of this, and I, thankfully God helped me remember what was on that page. And uh, I went and gathered up my notes, and my eye went down, and somehow the air conditioning or something had turned on and took that page and blew it off the pulpit when I was over there and put it right inside the pulpit on the shelf, and I never saw it until the end of that second service. I was like, the mystery is solved. But what an embarrassing moment up there trying to share and have something like that happen. And I thought for ladies, you know, you have a home that uh, you try to keep up, and can you imagine everything being in disarray, and you see somebody unexpectedly pull in the driveway? Immediately you go into overdrive mode and you try to clear everything out and it's extremely embarrassing because you want everything to be in place. And I share that with you to say those are embarrassing moments. This story is not an embarrassing moment. This is way beyond embarrassment. This is humiliation and shame. This woman committed an act in secret and is drugged before the public to be shamed and accused of a horrible sin. And I want us to understand that. And Jesus is faced with this. Jesus is teaching in the temple, and this is not in his script. It's not in his notes. (laughs) And all of a sudden, he is thrust into this environment of hostility toward this woman and judgment, and he has to deal with it. And he deals with it very graciously, very humbly, but yet very candidly. Uh, as well. And so I think the first concern I want us to consider uh, this morning is this, judging. Jesus is dealing with the whole concept of judging people. Uh, If we look down in verse 7, they kept on questioning him, Jesus. He straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, what was the basis for their judging? The basis for their judging was the law of Moses. They were trying to carry out the law of Moses to the nth degree of what Moses wrote. What did Moses write? Well, let's look at it, if it'll come up for me. And it's not advancing. You might have to advance it. It's not uh, moving to the next slide. Will it move? There we go. Thank you. Uh, Leviticus 20.10 says, If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. This is what they were referring back to, uh, the, the Jews when they were in front of Jesus, the Pharisees. Here's another verse, Deuteronomy 22. Uh, If a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. If a man happens to meet in a town, a virgin pledged to be married, and he sleeps with her, you shall take both of them to the gate of that town and stone them to death. This is what they had in their mind, that that Jesus needed to fulfill the mandate of the law of Moses. However, there was even a greater conflict because according to Roman law, they had stripped the Jews of the ability 
to exercise capital punishment. So had Jesus said, yes, stone her, he would have been in trouble with the Romans because the Romans said, you cannot exercise capital punishment. So therefore, he would have been in trouble with the Romans. But now, if he doesn't have her stoned as well, he's in trouble with the Pharisees because they're saying you need to stone her according to the Jewish law. So what are you going to do about this, Jesus? Um, And so there was a problem with this. Well, Jesus went to their source. Uh, Let's look at the next thing here. Oh, Oh, that's the rest of the, the verse there. The girl, because she was in a town and did not scream for help, the man, because he violated another man's wife, you must purge the evil from among you. That's what the rest of the verse uh, was. Secondly is flesh. Uh, their judgment was based on flesh, human standards. Look in John 8, look down in verse 15 and 16. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. And he says again, if you flip back in John chapter 7, verse 24, it says this. Stop judging by mere appearances, appearances and make a right judgment. Uh, what we tend to do is we become self-righteous and we tend to maximize the goodness in our own heart and we minimize the sin and the shortcomings in our own life. And then when we look at somebody else, we maximize their sin and shortcomings and we minimize their goodness. We have that tendency to do that. Let me give you an example. This lady had her son go to the grocery store to pick something up. He comes back with the apples, and she calls the grocer and says, I sent my little son James to your store for five pounds of apples, and I find on weighing them that you only sent four and a quarter pounds of apples home with him. The grocer said, Madam, my scales are regularly inspected and correct. Have you weighed your little boy? (laughs) Um, It's very possible that he ate some of the things before he made it home. What is the motivation for their judging? The motivation for their judging was to accuse Jesus of being a fraud. They did not want to worship him as the son of God. They did not want to recognize him as the Messiah. And so here they thought if they trapped him, they will be able to accuse him and condemn him and be done with him. So that was really, their motivation was not justice and righteousness. Their motivation was to trap Jesus to condemn him and be done with him. That was their motivation behind what they were doing. What about the reality regarding judgment? I think there are some things we need to look at regarding judgment that we need to be aware of. First one here is found in Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So what is the first reality here? God will judge every deed. You and I don't need to stand in judgment of everyone because God is going to bring everything into judgment, every deed he is recording. And let's face it, you and I don't have a clue about what all those things are. He will judge every deed, and we need to leave it with him. Secondly, marriage. This leads us into our second reality. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. 
For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. We don't need to cast judgment on them. We preach the truth. We live the truth. But God will be the one who will set the record straight. And so what is our second reality? God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, if you have asked God to forgive you of immorality, he forgives it and he removes sin as far as the east is from the west. If you are engaged in immorality, you can confess that to the Lord today and be delivered and claim secondary purity. Um, And I would encourage you to do that. This is what the Word of God says. And so this is what we have to live by. And God will judge every one of us. Hollywood does not set the standard. God does. The culture does not determine what's right and wrong. God does. And that's what we have to come back to as the basis of our authority and the basis of judgment has to come with God. And we need to leave it with him. Romans 2.6, God will give to each person according to what he has done. Somebody once said in the choir of life, it's easy to fake the words, but someday each of us will have to sing solo before God. We will sing solo before him. We will stand before him and give an account of everything we have done. So the third reality, God will judge based on what we have done. Not our intentions, not what we were planning to do, but what we have done. Uh, He will judge us. Another verse I want us to look at is the Matthew passage, Matthew 7. It says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So here, Jesus teaches something very clearly And this should be something we all need to practice. Jesus taught that self-examination should precede pronouncing condemnation. We need to take an inventory of ourself and judge ourselves before we cast judgment on somebody else. And that's what Jesus was telling them. And so what happened when they began to look inside, there's an appeal to their conscience. Rather than looking at somebody else and pointing at their sin and their badness and how horrible they are, we need to point at our own horribleness and our own sin and our own heinousness. And Jesus taught self-examination. He's saying, take personal inventory before you pick up a rock and throw it at someone else. Keep your own sin in the forefront of your mind so you will remember your own shortcomings before you focus on the sin and shortcomings of others. That's what we need to do. And God has encouraged us to do that, and that's what we need to practice. Some of you might have heard the name Dr. George Truett. Um, He pastored in Texas for a number of years and now is with the Lord. 
But he told the story of a young lady who was brought before the church for discipline because of a violation of the church covenant. It was suggested that she be dropped from the role of the church. As the debate developed, the pastor said, let us also call the church treasurer and have him read the record of every member and their giving. And let us vote to drop everyone who has violated God's law against covetousness. Wow. That bombshell cleared the air of accusers as did the reminder of Jesus. He that is without sin among you, let him be the first to cast a stone. It is so easy to render a verdict without having all the facts. The story is told of a conductor who was checking the tickets in a train to Brussels. He announced, everybody please get out at the next stop. You are in the wrong train. The passengers looked at each other in amazement. Finally, it turned out that it was the conductor himself who had boarded the wrong train. (laughs) And he was judging everybody else that they were on the wrong train. How quickly things can turn around. H.A. Ironside pointed out the folly also of judging others. He related an incident in the life of a man called Bishop Potter. He was sailing for Europe on one of the great transatlantic ocean liners. When he went on board, he found that another passenger was there to share the cabin with him. After going to see the accommodations, he came up to the purser's desk and inquired if he could leave his gold watch and his other valuables in the ship's safe. He explained that ordinarily he never availed himself of that privilege, but he had been to his cabin, and he had met the man who was going to share the cabin with him. And he said, judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person. The purser accepted the responsibility for the valuables and remarked, It's all right, Bishop. I'll be very glad to take care of them for you. The other man has been up here and left his for the same reason. (laughs) See how quickly we can cast judgment on somebody else uh, just by mere appearance. Super Summer Jam is coming. There's going to be a lot of people who may look different than us, who may act different than us, who may be as lost as can be and may be facing the same kind of humiliation as this woman and may be just as guilty as this woman, but yet it is not ours to judge. Our place is to say, here is the gospel. Here is where you violated God's law. Here is where we've all violated God's law, and here is where we are guilty before God. And all of us deserve God's eternal wrath and judgment. Every one of us. And we have to remember that. And as I shared a week or two ago, that when we look at people, we need to look at them through the eyes of a doctor and not the eyes of a judge. That will be our challenge. To not just look at them that way, but to reach out to them, to connect with them, to love them, to minister to them. 
and say, there go I, except for the grace of God. There go I. Let's stand for a word of prayer. I'm not going to make it through the first two this morning, but that's okay. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to think this morning about this whole idea of judging. I wish I could tell you I had it mastered that I don't judge. I don't have it mastered. I don't think anybody has it mastered. There was a story told about John Wesley who criticized a man because he gave very little money to the ministry and he was very critically, audibly to the man. And then the man relayed a story to him and said, you know, he said, I, I lived a horrible life before I came to Christ and I ran up a lot of debt. He said, but by the grace of God, I'm going back to all my creditors and I'm paying them back besides my tithe and offering. And John Wesley had to apologize to him. Because you see, John Wesley didn't have all the facts. He thought he knew it all. And so many times we look and we think we know it all and we have to be reminded that we don't. We see through a glass darkly. And so we have to be careful and we need to do self-examination first. And so this morning I would just ask you, would you evaluate your own heart? Is your heart ready for Super Summer Jam? Is your heart in a right relationship with God to where if today was the day God called you home, would you be ready? That's the most important thing. We all violated his law. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin because none of us are good enough to get there on our own. He died for us. And I think it's a wonderful story. And so it's not a story of judgment. It's a story, as we sang about this morning, of hope. What hope this woman had when he says, go and leave your life of sin. Jesus was not condoning her sin. He said, go and leave your life of sin. And when you and I experience the grace of God, that is the response of a heart that has received the grace of God. I leave that sin because the grace of God has delivered me from it. If you need delivered from your sin this morning, would you come and receive the grace of God? Would you receive the water from the rock that was sang about this morning? It's available to you. If you have spiritual questions, I'll be here after service shaking hands in the back. I would welcome you to come and talk with me. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so would you humble yourself and receive his grace this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of your word. Lord, how it speaks to us where we live. Lord, there's not a person breathing, I don't believe, who doesn't struggle with judging and yet, Lord, here we see a wonderful example of how you handled an incredibly difficult situation that was totally unexpected. And you handled it with compassion, grace, truth, wisdom. Lord, may you give us that kind of compassion and grace and wisdom.
that we don't need to compromise the truth and we don't beat people up with the truth. We don't hammer them over the head, but we do present it because we want them to be delivered from their sin and to experience the freedom that there is in Jesus Christ. Lord, to spare them an eternal hell. That's why we share the truth. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today who has never been a recipient of your grace, I pray that today would be the day where they would humble themselves and bow their knee to you and receive you as their Savior and Lord and begin to walk in grace and begin to walk in truth. Lord, we're going to face a lot of different people in weeks ahead with a super summer jam. And Lord, we need to look at them through the eyes of a doctor and not the eyes of a judge. I pray that you will give each of us that kind of vision that kind of heart and that kind of understanding that pagans will act like pagans until they come to Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that there'll just be a great harvest, that you will make us channels of love and grace to a lost world. May you be pleased with our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions toward those who are outside the faith. Lord, we love you and we praise you for the Lord's day. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Lord's day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you have any questions or want to know more about our church, please go to our website at www.bchweb.org or find us on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.